Hello everybody, welcome back to Fastscape Rewatch Season 4, Episode 13. I am your host, Cut My Hats, and with me, as always, is Red Nightmare. There's no place like home. No place like home. There's no place like home. Click your heels. <laughs> yeah, well, this is Episode 13 of Season 4, uh, called Terra Firma, and... You know, after last week's episode, or the last two episodes really, it's been a bit of a journey. We are, at the end of the last episode, certainly ostensibly back on Earth. Yeah. In the present time. I'm hesitant, because the last few times this has happened, there has always been a catch. Yeah, and John, you know, thought the same thing. He literally pulls a gun on his dad, and it's like, was it a bass or a trout? Yeah, so that was the end of the last episode. We start out this episode with previously on Farscape to catch everybody up on everything that's happened. And so just, you know, we've been through a lot. Still relationship stuff with John and Aaron, that's all still going on. John's taking the uh, route to make him forget all of that and, you know, just there's been a lot that's happened and now we're back through the wormhole on the other side and Earth is there. It's like present day Earth as in present day Earth for the time it was recorded. So this was like late 2003. Yes. And we start off exactly where the last episode ended, which was John pointing a gun at his dad and there are some other uh, men and women there standing, you know, wearing suits looking at John and before Jack Crichton can actually answer like was it a bass or a trout Sokozu steps out yeah and she says put that gun down the DRDs scanned these are your people John's still not really convinced but his dad just says no it's me son you're, it's alright you're home you're alive and if that wasn't miracle enough the ship I mean it's actually a living organism what was crazy yeah she is John responds and then Jack points to Sokozu like and look another alien life form and this is amazing. And John's like, well, okay, how did you get up to Moya, first of all? It's like, well, we sent a shuttle up. We tried to make contact for a while, and we were kind of surprised when she answered, pointing at Sokozu, in English. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, right, because Sokozu had to learn the language. Makes total sense, actually. And John's like, she's too smart. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of the other men standing there steps forward and introduces himself. You know, he's got the uh, standard issue government suit, mm-hmm. clean-cut haircut, and he's like... Regular scowl. I'm T.R. Holt, special advisor to the president, and congratulations on first contact with extraterrestrial life. And John just laughs at that. He's yeah, like, it's like... Oh, okay. Yeah, no, first contact. Right. After three years, that's not what he's thinking about anymore. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's that's not a big deal. And so he puts... He does put his gun down. He's thinking okay maybe this is real and he says oh well you know what today's your lucky day dargo aaron like calls everybody else out of the pod yeah brigel naranti dargo aaron chiana and therefore it is like why is ever do all these government people have a slight look of disgust on their face a little bit they're like oh my god what the hell and i'm like wow people you could be a bit more accepting it's like more inquisitive at least Uh, it's it's American government officials meeting aliens for the first time. Fair point. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, they, lo- they look on kind of in amazement and a bit like just shock as well. And so, uh, actually, John like takes Sokozu aside and, well, she says to him, it's like, where have you been? We arrived in orbit 42 days ago. And John says, well, wormholes unstable. There might be some time dilation. Called it. I was going to say, you were right. I called it. Yeah, that's why they had that set up in the last episode of John counting down with the bottles of beer on the wall 
and it taking a lot less time for the rest of the crew to get to him than it you know felt like mm. for him so yeah they were there for 40 days and which is how they're already up on the ship when john gets back all yeah. of that stuff and he asks okay where's scorpius and she says that he's not on board Moya. He's actually in a pod at the other end of the wormhole, transmitting a signal which they can follow to get back. Yeah. And John's like, hey, okay, you can stop pimping for Scorpius anytime, you know. <laughs> and she's just like, okay, what's wrong with you? These are your people. Or do you think they pose us a threat? And I love the counter line because he says, no, the other way around. Yeah. That's our title cut yeah, for this episode. it is. And I'm like, oh, good point, John. Yeah. So then when we come back from titles, actually we have a really, I thought, a really interesting scene. I like this. I like this scene a lot. We fade back in over a lake and there are some piers jutting out into it. And we hear John's voiceover and we pan across like very slowly and we see him writing in a diary. And he's basically narrating his diary saying that, you know, he's finally back home. And he thinks seeing his friends and family again, it's it's also normal. Mm. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and we cut, while he's talking, we cut to seeing him meeting DK again. And he's now married to his wife, Laura. And John clearly knows you know her as well. And he's like, hey, I thought you uh, said he was a geek. And he's like, oh, he is a geek, but he finally won me over. <laughs> it's like all very normal human things. Yeah, and it's just juxtaposed to what John has been experiencing. It's like, yeah, John... Life didn't stop when you left Earth. I don't think it's that. I think it's just that it's been so long for him and so much has happened that he's forgotten what it's like. And it's Mm. just getting Mm -hmm. used to that way of life again and realizing, yeah, right, this is how it used to be. This is most humans normal. Yeah. And he says in narration, says he figured Earth would freak out. And sure enough, they did. They delivered on time in 30 minutes or less. Yeah. That's a good line. Because <laughs> it's like the whole media press, and it's like, oh, aliens. Oh, oh, oh. And what's happening right now is the rest of the crew is being contained at a waterfront mansion with full security team. And we see them being led into it. And John says, it's a cage, but at least it's a gilded one. Mm. He's got some good lines in this, yes! this scene. It's very nice. And he says, of course, the suits are more interested in the technology. No surprise there. Mm. So we let them look. They just have no idea what they're looking at. No. Gives him a pulse pistol and, like, I think he licks the chakra and oil. He, like, fiddles with it. He says, I don't normally recommend this setting, but give it a go. And he gives it to an agent who points it at a target and shoots. And it just, like, completely destroys it and some other... Obliterates two human targets, dummies, standing behind each other and fries the computer that was calculating data there. That was behind them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that's the scare and killing setting. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> And so he also says some VIPs have accepted translator microbes. And we see like a group of VIPs all sat on some folding chairs. And there's one who's sat next to Dargo, who's just Mm -hmm. sort of looking at him. It's an older guy who gets the translator microbes. And then we see, you know, him suddenly able to understand Dargo. We have the same gradual change of nonsense to actual words that John experienced in the first episode, which was fun. And I just love the concept of translator microbes on Earth. Oh, yeah. The potential of that is amazing. But what I also like that John says right after is like, even translator microbes won't make some people listen. Mm-hmm. I love this whole thing of John... It may be cynicism, but like looking at the rest of the world or how a lot of the reaction to aliens is what he expected. Yeah, how like 
from his perspective, this is his normal. And now that the rest of the world is catching up, he's like, yeah, this is exactly what I was expecting would happen. Sigh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not a positive thing. Not all of it. And so he says, but, you know, the alien life, it's not been going too crazy. His family has been helping out. And his sister Olivia is actually hanging out with them. And his cousin Bobby is totally fascinated by the alien. Bobby's a creepy teenager. That's what he is. Yeah, he is. So we actually, while he says this, we cut to the uh, mansion. And we see that Sokozu and Chiana are sitting out next to the pool on like deck chairs in just like in a bikini. And he's filming them. Bobby's filming them. And Chiana's like, meh, whatever. And Sokozu's like, get that thing out of my face. Well, Chiana actually flips him off. Oh, right. But she still thinks it's a greeting. But, yeah, she thinks it's a greeting between friends. So, <laughs> yeah. Nice little callback there. Yeah, but Chiana does want to go out. Because she's like, I want to go make friends. And Sukos is like, well, no, the humans won't let you leave. And the way you make friends, I can't blame them. <laughs> oh, and uh, then we have more voiceover from John who says, of course, Rigel and Naranti, they're having the time of their lives. They're in heaven. Gastrointestinal heaven, I think yes. he says. And... Oh, did you catch the line? Yeah, because she gives... Like, Here, Rigel, try this. It's a. It's like, oh, what is it? Another delicacy. She just feeds a bag of unpopped popcorn mm-hmm. into his mouth. And he's like, oh, what is it? And she looks at the bag and says, like, oh, it's called cop porn. <laughs> and I'm like, that's something completely different. That's not the same thing. No. Also, there's a brief scene where John's sister offers to lend Aaron some clothes. And suddenly it makes sense, like, yes, Erin has practiced enough English that she can get by in this society now. Because she can understand them, that's not the problem. But she can also speak in a way that they understand her without microbes. I think also, though, it's it's implied that John's family has had translated mm. microbes. That's true. They'll technically never see them speaking to anybody but Sokozu and Erin. That's true, but it's when he says, you know, his sister's been hanging out with them. I think that, mm. it's implied. It's I, implied, it, true. Yeah. So, yeah, just that whole scene of John narrating while still writing, you know, in his diary on the dock, on the pier, it's just, oh, it's really good. He continues, actually, because that, there's actually some more to that while he's still narrating. And but he says that uh, T.R. Holt is not happy. He's a government agent. He's never going to be happy. <laughs> and John is basically, they're walking outside, uh, maybe on the roof of something that it's, there's some like satellite dishes around. and Maybe it's a car park. Yeah, it probably is. That I think same there's one nearby. Set, um, but he's basically, John's trying to convince him that the best thing to do is trip on a spaceship uh, up to Moya with 500 of Earth's best would be the best thing to do for the, in this situation. And TR, he says like, the Farscape project was and is an American initiative, so we should be the first to reap the benefits. Because Holt at first asked, like, who would make that selection? You? And John's like, no, 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 let the Nobel Committee or something. The yeah. UNACO or something. Let, let them figure that one out. <laughs> no, UNESCO. UNACO's from Day 6. Oh, I'm sorry. UNASCO. <laughs> let them figure it out. But the line of uh, Farscape project was an, is an American initiative and they should be the first to reap the benefits was apparently some a line that John's father said. Yeah, because John asks what American patriot said that and holds like Jack Crichton, former astronaut, you might know him. But John's like, no, okay, we have to share this technology with the rest of the world or no deal. And T.R. Holt says to him, he's like, well, Jack has been made IASA, ISA. ISA. <laughs> They've made him the project director for extraterrestrial studies. It's great PR, father and son working together. Don't screw it up for him. 
And John's like, that's a nice suit. Do you have to buy it, or does it come standard issue? <laughs> I don't entirely get the dig, but it's a very clear dig. Well, it's like you're just another government stooge, right? Yeah, that's probably it. That's about as far as it goes, but yeah. And then John narrating says, well, that just leaves me with Dad. And his world is upside down. He's trying to make it right by putting up Christmas decorations. And we see like a shot of their house and he's putting up a big Christmas tree. Yeah. There's, you know, decorations everywhere. Apparently this takes place during, uh, around Christmas. And, but John says, even though it's Florida and the whole block is cordoned off by security, you know, we're still putting up Christmas decorations. I love the cordoning off because it's basically two police cars <laughs> on the street with a few people behind it with cameras. I'm like, you could just walk across the lawn over there. I know. And stop it's- really... <laughs> It's their, budgetary, it's their budgetary yeah. thing because clearly you would expect there to be like hundreds of people trying to get in. Oh, it's, you know? it, it's not so much the hundreds. Like the small group I get because at this point a lot of people are like, oh, never mind, I'm just going to leave. This is not going anywhere. It's just the fact that they didn't have extra fences to go the broad direction and you can spread out the, <laughs> the cops a little bit more. It's like, they could just walk over that lawn over there. I kind of wonder what the cop from the last episode is up to at this point. Remember the guy who they left? He's just going to be running around saying, I told you. I told everybody. That's them. That's them. And he points at the television screen. Nobody listened to me. We're assuming that he still gets to see television in the hospital that he lives in. Poor man. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) I hope actually they let him out after this. Like, holy shit, he was right. He was right. Anyway, so, yeah, they're putting up Christmas decorations. And so we cut inside and we see John and Aaron are talking to each other. And I like that throughout most of this, John, we've seen John in actual regular earth clothes, mm-hmm. you know, jeans and a t-shirt, that sort of thing. Yep. And uh, Aaron is asking him, he's like, so you do this every cycle? Every year, yeah. Right, year. Okay, got it. And Jack says, uh, it's always been our favorite holiday. And I love this. Just is like, well, aside from that time that you lit the fireplace and all the smoke came back because the cat was in there. And he turns a picture around and says, because of Mr. Jingles. And he's like, hey, okay, I didn't know she was up there. It's like, you know, just, there was one time you're going to hold it over me. And Aaron looks at the picture it's like, what is this? And John's like, it's a, it's a cat. It's a pet. You keep it. Does it talk? And he's like, no, no, it's just, it's just a pet. <laughs> And I also like that John's like, what's next? You're going to bring out the bare-ass baby pictures? And I love that both his sister and his dad are like, that's actually not a bad idea. Aaron, Aaron, let's do a vote. Aaron? And Aaron's like, yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. We're like, that's not a bad idea. And just, yeah, it's really good. And um, John's like, oh, come on, man, come on. But then before you can protest much further, the doorbell goes. And John's like, oh, great, safe by the bell. I need to go. I'll get the door. He opens the door and it's actually a face we've seen before a couple of episodes ago. It's actually his ex, question mark, girlfriend Caroline, because she's like, hey, John, blast from the pot. And she just... She's brought, like, a bottle of champagne or something, and she just starts kissing him. She holds a mistletoe over his head and then just goes kissing him, like, um, ma'am, after three years, I don't think you can just do that. Yeah, I was surprised of, like, it's been three years, everybody thought he was dead, and you're just gonna turn up and start kissing him on the just mouth. Just start Frenching him. Like you haven't seen him for, like, a week. And John's like, um, um, um. <laughs> you can see in his eyes, he's like, oh, okay. And Aaron is look, looking over, he's like, oh. Because, I mean, technically, Aaron and John are not together right now, so. Yeah, but as as John says later in the episode, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But even if they, like, were 
definitely not together and she wasn't even in the picture. This is still a bit weird. Caroline turns up and is like, hey, John, I thought you were dead for three years. But no, you're back. So this is fine. Hey, John, I thought you were dead for three years. (laughs) And so she says, welcome back to Terra Firma. (gasps) The title. And John's just like, hey, uh, everyone, Caroline's here. And so this whole time he's still been narrating bits of this from the pier. Then we sort of cut back to that. We see him writing down stuff. Are half of the things he's written on that page equations? Yeah, I think so, yeah. But he says, like, he realizes, like, things have changed. And you don't get to close your eyes and pretend that they haven't. Mm. Everyone's telling him how different he is. And they're right. But they don't have a clue why. And they can't know what he's done, seen, or what's been done to him. They can't know what's out there waiting, and he can't tell them because they wouldn't believe him. They'd probably lock him away if he did. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, John, I don't think that would be a problem because there's like seven other people who can corroborate your stories now. But they're all aliens, and are they going to trust the aliens? Like, if John says it, then they're like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Why would John suddenly be crazy? I still think they just don't, they would not trust aliens. The corroboration wouldn't mean very much to them. There is a living spaceship orbiting Earth. So? That doesn't, you know, like I said, it, I feel like at least what this is, is John is trying to protect them. By oh, yeah, the less they The less they know, the better, because they don't want to cause a panic and freak everybody exactly. out. Exactly. They'd freak the hell out. So, but as he's finishing this up, Caroline actually joins him on the pier. And she says, you know, it's supposed to be your weekend off, but what are you doing? You're doing homework. And she's like, well, apparently I'm not doing my job well enough. And she goes in to kiss him again, and he's... Somewhat distracted or reluctantly, like... Yeah, he's not He's not really committing. Yeah, committing is the right word. Just like, hmm, yeah, hmm, kiss, kiss, yeah, okay, sure. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, John's distracted and realizing how different he is and how different everything else is. Yeah. You can never go home. Yeah, I, I actually, I have that in my, my notes of you can't go home again, underlined about three times. Because mm-hmm. that's the crux of this, basically this whole episode. We'll get to why in a bit, because the next scene actually is a really important one for yeah. that and involves Farscape getting a little bit real. So we then go to the Crichton home again and... John's sitting on the couch, he's got some popcorn, he's watching TV, it's a report about the aliens and saying, you know, finding out that we're not alone in the universe has created a lot of panic amongst the population. And The survival of the human race is uh, in question. I'm like, okay, not more than usual, but fair. Yeah, but you know that's the reaction. <laughs> yeah, of course it's the reaction. And so his dad joins him, gives him like a glass of beer, and he's like, hey son, Holt says that it's bad on the political front. Every nation is demanding equal information from the aliens. And John's like, yeah, and we're going to give it to him. Jack's like, no, I don't see why we should. You know, you're being naive. The safest thing to do is to keep it here in America. And John says, you know, space travel was your dream to unite mankind. When did that change? September 11th. Yeah, Jack replies. Then he goes on like, this isn't the same world you left four years ago. Remember, like, John left, it was 1999, I guess. Yeah, and in between 9-11 happened. Yeah, and Jack goes on to say that, you know, people don't dream like they're used to. It's all about survival now. And John says, who's survival? And Jack's, Olivia's survival. Susan and Frank and Bobby's. Imagine them blown up by a suicide bomb or coughing up blood from a poison gas attack. This country's under siege. You just don't understand the global situation. And John's like, is that because I've been out of town or because daddy's always right? That's not fair, son. And they have a bit of a shouting match about, 
like what's best, who's most stubborn. It's like, okay, we'll split the title for most stubborn in the family then. <laughs> it's like, you don't want to argue with anyone, you just want to insist you're right, John's dad says to him. John's like, look, I'm going up to sp- in space tomorrow. If you want to come, you're welcome to come, if you're not too stubborn. And so, yeah, okay, so that's... I like that scene, because it grabs really something good. that's like, right, that happened in between him leaving. And it did change the landscape of just the u.s very much certainly american attitudes and to some extent the rest of the world but it did i at least i don't know how much things have changed since it, but at least remember it was it suddenly became a whole lot harder to to fly you know flying rules you had to you know check everything in and look at all these restrictions on what you could bring on flights and all of this stuff and it it did change a lot of things and how people looked at the rest of the world. People were very afraid, and it resulted in the war against terrorism. Yeah, and certainly in the certainly in the first few years following it, and this mm. is only this is set like Christmas two thousand and three. This is not that long after nine eleven. So that that feeling of panic and fear, however justified it may or may not have been, that whole debate about terrorism and all that, that that went on for a long time. It's still going on. It's still going on today, really. And it's undeniable that 9-11 is probably one of the most, well, influential or, like, important turning points in like the 21st century. It was a, it affected a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I like that conflict point being created from that real world event because John has over the past three years experienced a completely different perspective on humanity and the universe. Whereas everybody on earth has like, is still squabbling among each other. John's like after three years is like, he sees himself, I think, more as a human than an American. Because that's what everybody's yeah. been calling him. That's His true, actually. has never been a thing for Dargo <laughs> or Aaron or anything. He's he's the human. Yeah, he is. So, yeah, I do like that because, yeah, it makes sense. And I feel like it's not just using, you know, a very tragic and, you know, horrifying real-world event just for a cheap bit of TV. But, no, it's actually... it's It's more about how it changed people's attitudes. And how if you, you know, that feeling of coming back afterwards, not having experienced it, being able to realize how much things changed. And it makes it makes sense that the man who originally, before he left, wanted to unite humanity, and now, after that event, just his worldview completely changed. And John is like, what, what happened? I, I like it, really like it as a form of conflict. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it's that kind of that tarnished idealism, you know, that's happened to Jack. It's, his idealism has kind of been chipped away by, by fear, really. Yeah. And so now he's like, no, we need to keep it for ourselves. So, okay, we actually then cut to the next scene is uh, on Moya. And we see in the corridor... Now, remember this from the end of the last episode? There was a strange alien that Grazer left aboard Moya. Mm-hmm. That's still there. Mm-hmm. And it's lurking in the darkness and sort of growls a bit and slinks away. And that that's kind of just a quick scene to remind you that that exists. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, John, Bobby, Jack, Dargo and Aaron have come up on a transport pod to Moya. And because John said he was going up to space, you want to come along. And John introduces Bobby and Jack to 1812. He's like, hey, 1812, come here. And he actually gets a can of WD-40 out of yes. his jacket. And like, hey, give me that arm. And the little gun or laser arm comes out and like jerkily and he sprays it on and it's like there you go that's better and he just starts moving fluently it's like ah miracle stuff 
<laughs> okay, you guys need a Sherpa. 1812 will give you a tour. And Jack's like, no, no, I know the way around here. It's like, no, you need a Sherpa. And, you know, Bobby is still filming with his camcorder. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, what about that pilot you told me about? And it's like, oh, I'll show you. And Jack starts walking. John's like, uh, Dad, that way. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. Okay. And and they, they, they follow 1812. I like that John says to Dargo's like, did he even know how to open a door? It doesn't matter because the door's just open anyway and they walk straight through And it. 1812 is there. Yeah, they'll be fine. And so Dargo says to John, it's like, all right, do you need to check wormhole stability by going outside or can you do it from command? It's like, no, I can do it from command. I've had enough EVA to last me a lifetime. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Aaron says to Dargo, it's like, okay, the Prowler systems, they all check out normal. And I appreciate you from keeping the scientists from damaging it. And it's also, there's just a really awkward tension between John and Aaron at the moment. Mm -hmm. More so than usual. Because John afterwards goes up to Aaron, who's working on a prowler, and he says, like, look, if you don't want them messing with your prowler, it's okay if you want to stay, leave it up here, that's fine. Uh, Before they do that, Daga realizes that there's uh, that tension. He notices it, and he's like, Mm. okay, I'm gonna go. I'll meet you on command. (laughs) What? What's that? Oh, Chiana needs me. I need to go. Oh, uh, my! I'm getting a uh, text. Bloop. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, John's like, okay, if you've got a problem with the IA, the ISA boys poking around at the Prowler, you could just leave it here. They've got enough to look at. And Aaron asks him, like, oh, do you think it would be better for me to stay up here? John's like, why do you want to? Why would you want to do that? It's like, well. I'm not fitting in. It's like, I'm, I'm not fitting in, he says. Yeah, you're fitting in as well as anybody. Okay, it's up to you. And she's like, it's up to me. Like, yeah, yeah, it's up to you. John completely not realizing the subtext of that question. No. <laughs> and she's like, look, I don't mind the scientists poking around my prowler, but I, I could even field strip a cannon for them if you want. <laughs> and John's like, no, 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 no. They've seen enough. Thank you, but no, don't, don't do that. And he says, like, do you, do you want a hand with, with what you're doing? And she's like, no, just, I'm fine. And we actually do see the, uh, the alien is, is spying on them. Mm-hmm. The one that's left aboard Moya. And so we then cut to, meanwhile, in the Uncharted Territories, or Tormented Space, wherever the hell they are, uh, it's the Command Carrier with Braca and Grazer. That almost sounded like a morning cartoon. Morning on the Command Carrier with Braca and Grazer. da 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 so what's going on is Grazer has a little box that she opens with a device in it. Braca's like, what is that, uh, Commander? And she's like, look, there's no point me telling you. You're not going to remember. And slaps it on his head. <laughs> and she's like, hey, okay, Screeth, Screeth, can you hear me? And we cut you know, back and forth with the alien aboard Moya and Braca. And it's communicating with the alien aboard Moya, the Screeth. And it's answering through Braca. Yeah. Can I just say that David Franklin, who plays Braca does a hell of a job with this because he's like blankly staring in the distance jerking his head weirdly and answering he's whispering almost he's like we're orbiting Crichton's home planet got there through a wormhole and she's like wormhole what Grace is like okay don't kill Crichton yet but you must learn all you can about the planet its defenses and location culture people and I'm like no no, 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 oh, no, 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 no and this screeth is like I want to interrogate Crichton Grazer's like, no, he's proved resistant thus far to many different forms of interrogation. So you must stay hidden for now, learn what you can, and then disconnect the thing from Braca's head. And then he doesn't remember anything. And so Grazer is like, oh, Commander. Captain, rather. Oh, Captain, we were just uh, recreating. We took a short break and he's like, um, oh, I, I see. Uh, 
Oh, okay, okay then. <laughs> Maybe next time you'll remember. And so he gets up and leaves. And oh, actually, she orders him like, "Prepare the command carrier. We want this ship to be ready to destroy a planet." And like, what? No, no, no. Also, that's actually very on the nose. Of like, can we get this ship ready to destroy a planet? Oh, good. Okay, good. So we know what she's planning. <laughs> Also, I don't think the command carrier can do that. It can at least glass a continent. Yeah, it could easily glass a continent. That is entirely true. I feel like you could destroy the planet's surface without, you know, blowing up the planet with a command carrier. Also, I think if you glass a continent, that should cause more than enough... Yeah, exactly. ...environmental harm to basically kill everything on the planet... In a few decades. So we go back to Moya, and we see that John and telling Dargo that Moya's almost ready to leave. And Dargo says, Pilot and Moya are looking forward to giving humans their first trip to the stars. And he looks at John, and John looks at him, and Dargo's like, okay, so we're not going, are we? He's like, no, they'll still be squabbling and trying to figure out who gets to go by the time we're gone. And so why even bother with that pretense then? It's like, because I need to get them to talk, like, get them cooperating, smoke and mirrors, make sure that they don't try to take it from us. Yes, that's the important thing. And John reaches into his pocket and pulls out some of the root, the drug, and he's staring at it. And Dargo looks at him, and John said, don't look at me like that. He's like, look, you know how paranoid my planet is. And Dargo's like, yeah, they don't like aliens. And John says, they don't like anybody. <laughs> Glad to see you're taking the positive approach. And then Dargo turns to the camera and says... Drugs are bad, kids. You should, a winner doesn't use that stuff. <laughs> uh, but so John says, like, okay, we're going to give him a few hints. They've had a look at, you know, the ships and stuff. But now we're going to get the hell out of here and we'll hope Earth gets its act together before the real space monsters show up. I'm like, uh, yeah, John. Yeah, maybe throw him a bit more of a bone. Well, John definitely doesn't want to stick around because he knows that it's dangerous for him to be... It's dangerous for Earth for him to be here. Yeah, so Jack catches up with Aaron on Moya, and he's looking for John. And he's like, I was going to go back down. And uh, she says, you know, I could give you a lift in my prowler. And then John comes around the corner. And he says, like, no, you, you should take that offer. She's the best pilot I ever knew. And so, yeah, Aaron takes Jack out in the prowler. Because John also adds, you think you could swing past the moon uh, while you're at it? And she's like, oh, I can do better than that. And we cut to uh, Aaron's prowler flying across... Saturn, you know, right down across the rings, and we cut inside, and Jack and Aaron are inside the prowler, and he's like, wow, I can't believe it, I'm looking at Saturn. He's laughing about it, it's like, that's actually Saturn. The furthest any human's ever been from Earth, and she's like, not actually. Uh, Okay, yeah, I guess my son does have uh, a few miles on me. I like this scene, by the way. This is a very good scene between the two. Yeah, and Aaron says about John, it's like, he must be happy to be back on Earth. And Jack says, I don't know, he's having a tough time readjusting. He hasn't talked much about what he's been through. And she asks him, like, has he talked a lot about us as crew members? And Jack says, yeah, he's talked about your societies and customs. It's fascinating stuff. And Aaron says, you know, John thinks that our species may be linked, you know, sebations and humans. Mm -hmm. The geneticists are still trying to figure that out, but... Jack wouldn't be surprised if that's true. Because he says, if I didn't know better, I'd say you were human. And Aaron responds, well, I'm not. And I like Jack's response to that. It's like, do you wish you were? And she said, well, why do you ask? And Jack's like, well, do you have feelings for John? He says. And Aaron's like, does that shock you? No. It might have shocked me if I saw you as an alien being. But I don't. And he says, John hasn't said anything, but I'm, 
I'm pretty sure John has feelings for you as well. And Aaron says, well, yeah, he did. Now, Jack says, well, now he's home. And that's one of the things he'll have to figure out. And you've just got to give him time. Mm-hmm. I like how non-judgmental Jack is about these things. But he he points it out himself. It's only because Aaron looks human. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, again, he also has, like, the f- reflective knowledge to know that, like, had that not been the case, I might have reacted differently. What does that say about me? Yeah, he does acknowledge it, but it's it's pretty clear. Like, if it had been, I don't know, Chiana or Tsukosa, he would have been weirded out by it. Yeah, but I still... I still think, judging by the fact that he's aware of that, gives mm. me the idea that he might have even then been able to step past that eventually. Possibly. But yeah, it, it definitely helps that Aaron looks human. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And Jack just saying, you know, you have to give John some more time, which is interesting. And Aaron is like, hmm, more time. Hmm. So we cut back down to the mansion quickly, and uh, Sikozu is on the phone <laughs> arguing with somebody. Yeah, that she does not want to have any any tests performed on her. They can stick their probe up somebody else's butt. No, leave me alone. No, I'm not going to consent to that. No, I will not have an x-ray. And then she's like, go, leave me alone, and throws the phone out of the window. <laughs> or, yeah, onto the grass. And Rigel <laughs> turns to her, looks up from his plate of food of like, he's got like hamburgers and he's got one in his hand. And yeah, it's he's like, like, eat something, you'll feel better. Also, there's like little pieces of candy there. And I'm like, hang oh, on, no. why, why is Rigel not high on sugar at this point? Because he can get <laughs> as much as he wants, right? Why did they let him have any? I wouldn't be surprised if they're actually trying to... Like, after the first day or two that he's been there, that's like, okay, we should not give that one sugar. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so Sakosu says she wants to go back to Moya. Also, Chiana's been wearing normal, like, human clothes. They mm. all went shopping, you know, they bought up a bunch of stuff. But they're like, Chiana gives Sakosu a box, a present, and says, hey, give, this is for Pilot. I like that. This, the, Chiana's thinking about Pilot's like, oh, I, I have... A few gifts for a pilot. If, you, if you're going up, could you drop this off for him? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it could possibly be. I I like to think that it's a it's a hat of some kind. Oh, or like one of those things, like desk toys, <laughs> like a, New- a Newton's cradle. Yeah. What I really want it to be, and I know it's not this, but I really want it to be somebody knit a Christmas jumper that could fit over pilot. <laughs> I have another idea that would also be fantastic for pilot. Fuzzy dice. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, I would like next time we go to Pilot's Den because we don't we don't go there this episode. No, we don't actually. No, to go there and the, there's like one thing on his like console that yeah. that Chiana gave him. <laughs> Just a little thing. It's like maybe you're a rubber duck. I don't care. It's like, huh, it's nice. <laughs> and then after that, uh, Naranti's been reading like a book of uh, Christmas carols. Oh, God. And so she starts trying to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but very, very badly getting every word wrong in some way. The blood-curdled prince gets in there somehow. Yeah, let me just see if there's anything. It's like, hawk. That he walled ankles sink glory to the nude boat king. Oh, right. Nude boat king. That, that's, that's what, what it, was. it was. And Chiana's trying to join in and they're both singing really badly. So Sikosu grabs the book and throws it down. It's like, ah, stop that. Shut up. So now we cut to Jack and John. They're talking on at the, uh, I think it's basically it's at the IASA facility. Yeah. Where they are. Like the outside area. Yeah. And Jack says, you know, it was an amazing trip. Went to Saturn, beat the Cassini probe by a year. Which is, that was a real thing because the Cassini mission actually went to Saturn, still there. It arrived in orbit of Saturn on July the 1st, 2004. 
So sweet. yeah, they did beat it there. I, I like that little detail because I actually I I followed I remember actually the Cassini probe arriving at Saturn. I remember that in 2004 because I'm a space geek and I follow all that stuff. And it's been sending back pictures ever since. And it's been it's been a really successful mission. I just I like that they put that little detail in there because it was on its way at the time. Yeah, is it still sending? Yes, it is. Sweet. It's, what's funny is its original mission was like four years or something. And it's 2017 now, and it's still been sending back stuff, which yeah, is just awesome. That's what I like about NASA. They're like, okay, we expect this to last eh, four years, but we equipped it in such a way that it could last longer. It's like it has its own solar panels. If if somehow the tech doesn't break down, it just keeps going. It's like the uh, the Mars rovers, like uh, Spirit and Opportunity, kept going way longer than they were originally planned for. Hmm. So yeah, I just like the little detail of throwing in the Cassini mention. It was pretty fun. So, okay, and they're talking about, you know, it's the best Christmas present I ever got, except for that tie rack you gave me when uh, you were in junior high, he says to John. I'm like, Jack, I appreciate the sentiment, but let's be honest, no, it wasn't. <laughs> hey, look, it's a father, something a son made for his father. It's it's emotional. Anyway, John, at the mention of that, he's like, speaking of suits and ties, let's talk about Holt. He's still fighting me on the explorer selection and on the on the tech issues and i could use a little support from you and jack says look i've supported you in everything thus far yeah just supported you as much as i could right now though you're not looking at the bigger picture and john's like no you don't see the big picture you can't conceive of it earth has to work together on this and jack says well you're asking the impossible and John's like, well, impossible. Impossible is not in our vocabulary. Who said that? Oh, wait, that was you. You said that. Four days before you walked on the moon. Yeah, you taught me to believe that. That belief kept me alive. Please tell me you still believe that. And Jack, he looks, you know, distressed about this. And he's like, I'm not sure what I believe anymore. And then we cut away. I like this scene for its weight. But I also like because they're both wearing very reflective shades. They managed not to get the camera in the reflections. <laughs> yeah, I thought that as well. I was, I was paying attention. I was like, can I see the camera? Can, nope, nope, I can't see it. Well done. Either they, they may have removed it afterwards or they filmed it at such an angle that that wasn't a problem. I think they filmed it at such an angle because we never had like it straight on. But I yeah. don't know. <laughs> so yeah, we then cut to, we are in a big warehouse where they're keeping the ships and the technology and it's we see john talking to dk and laura and dk's like well what's all this crap you've tacked onto the module also like talking about well this causes ftl this this and it's like that's impossible that's theoretically impossible it can't work and john's like well okay the theory is wrong but i can't tell you how it works because i didn't design it i only installed it you guys have to figure it out and Laura says, like, well, we need something. We're like Neanderthals trying to work out a 747. And John's like, look, I can't tell you what I don't know. And DK says, well, why did you bring us the ships? What are you on the track of? Because Laura says, like, okay, you did ask for a metallurgic analysis of the ships. Like, you're, you're clearly onto something that you're not telling us about. John says, look, it's just a riddle. Why do Prowler pilots liquefy? And I'm like, oh, good, we haven't dropped that yet. Thank you. Maybe it's something in the construction of the other ships, apart from the Prowler, that protect them from wormhole stuff. So it, the problem is that specifically the Prowler doesn't work for wormhole yeah. travel. <laughs> they were using the worst possible ship for it. Yes, that maybe that's it. We don't know. Did they ever try a Marauder? Like, have they ever have they ever oh, considered the fact of using a different ship? Probably not. They're like, oh, Prowler pilots are expendable. Keep testing it until we get it right. So then John leaves to get some coffee. 
and DK and Laura are kind of that DK's not happy about this. He's like, okay, John's not giving us anything. He clearly, maybe he just wants to figure this out for himself. And uh, you know, something else is going on here. This isn't, the ho- this isn't the whole picture. Yeah, he's he's not telling us something. He's holding out, and so they're they're leaving. They we see them walking through the car park. Yeah, with a security guard, and then the screeth appears. We see that it's cloaked. It can actually like camouflage itself. Yeah, and then it uncloaks and actually attacks them. The security guard shoots at it with a gun. I think the screeth gets to him beforehand that he just shoots a few times in the air but gets knocked out so the security guard is taken out and then the screeth like pins dk and laura to the ground holds them by the neck it's doing very aggressively you can see like bleeding coming from their face and neck and we see that it's communicating with grazer so he tells grazer again through braca like it can guarantee not all of Crichton's species have the ability with, to withstand interrogation i can get information out of these two but john has yet to he has yet to share the wormhole knowledge with anybody the knowledge can die with Crichton. grace is like not until i have that knowledge and the screech is like well i i can capture Crichton. But I doubt I can bring him to you. And Grazer's like, yeah, it seems that this Earth is impractical to reach without wormhole technology, which is technology that only Crichton has. She's forced to concede that their best alternative is to capture him, try and learn what they can from him, and then execute him. Yeah, and then the Scree asks, what do you want me to do with these two? Yeah, I don't need anything more from them. And so the Screeth just snaps both their necks, kills DK and Laura. We don't see anything. We just heard the, the snapping sound. So, okay, yikes. <sighs> there goes DK. Like, John's ostensibly best friend from Earth who helped him with the Farscape project. He's not been in many episodes, but he's dead now. Yeah, his wife as well. Yep. By the way, c- can I just say that the security in this place is horrible? It's that- terrible. One security guard? Yeah, one security guard? That's fine. That there's only one security guard leading him out, that makes sense. But the fact that he struggles with them, shoots a few times in the air, the alien then has the time to in- interrogate these two, there really should have been like five guards rushing in at this point. Yeah. Also, now that we get like a full look at the screeth. Oh, it's so good. It's a head to toe like costume. It's like green skin with like ridges on it. I think it's supposed to be female because there is a slight curve to it where you would you know, expect. It's a female actress at least. Yeah, it, in the costume. But the headpiece, you've got like yellow eyes. There's like spines on its forearms and upper arms. The mouth is the interesting part though. Yeah, it's it has like part of its skin is almost pulled uh, like... Like, the lips are pulled far, way farther back, where you can see, like, the red. It reminded me a little bit of an, a classic D&D monster, or Bargast. Oh, okay. But, yeah, it's, it's got, like, the red mouth, and the green skin, like, goes over, like, either side of it. And it's it looks like it's just, like, raw flesh underneath with big teeth and, you know, piercing yellow eyes. It looks... It's a really cool costume, but, yeah. So, it it's just killed two people so that's that's not good so we cut back to the Crichton house and john is in the living room uh looking through a photo album and so then olivia his sister olivia comes in and she's just come back from a shopping trip with all the aliens yeah what do you do today well i went shopping with aliens they closed down the entire mall and they just went through shopping and she says well the the store owners were a bit annoyed and john's like really i feel like they'll put it on their posters and they'll you know 
they'll make the most out of it. Yeah, it's a good story for the grandchildren. But so he's been looking through these this photo album, and he's looking a bit, I guess, a bit sad. And Olivia says, you know, what's wrong? You want to go live in the past? John's like, no, I've been there. And she says, well, where do you want to live? And he's like, I, I don't know. You tell me, where do I belong? I love that sentence. And he's like, I look at these pictures, I, I recognize the faces, some of the places, but it's not my life. And he points to, there's a picture of his mum and dad, and he's like, points to his mum, he's like, I miss her. And then points to a picture of Olivia, like when she was a kid, just like a picture of her goofing off. He's like, I miss her as well. I love how you can also see like John's eyes going a bit red throughout this, especially when his mom gets brought up. And then he points to his dad. And the photo's like, I miss him, but he's changed. What, so much that you can't talk to him anymore? He says the same thing about you, that you've changed so much. John responds, he's right, I have, and I can't tell anybody why. And she says, well, why not? And John says, because he's the director for extraterrestrial studies and what he hears, the government hears. It's like, well, do you think that dad can't keep a confidence? And John's like, no, I mean, it was a mistake. It was an accident. It shouldn't have happened. I should have never come here. Yeah, this wasn't on purpose. There are things that the government can't hear. And she's like, well, is it bad? And he's like, no, it's not bad. It's just... <sighs> and then I love this last bit yeah. because he turns to her. We see like a, a long shot of them, you know, sat down at the table. And he like puts his finger to her head. It's like, don't worry. It's okay. Just doing E.T. Yeah, I thought that was E.T. And she laughs at it and responds and does like, okay, to him. It's a very believable, authentic brother-sister interaction. Yeah. And they both laugh about it and then we pull back and cut away. I just love that bit because, yeah, it's... They actually, they act it really great of mm. being brother and sister. Like, all these family scenes work really well because you believe that this is like just a family having fun together and also arguing together. So yeah, props to uh, Sarah Enright who plays Olivia Crichton uh, in this episode. So mm. yeah, she did a good, really good job with that scene in particular. So we cut, I think we actually just, it's basically a bit later on and Aaron has brought some presents to the uh, mansion with all the rest of the aliens and she's like uh is Crichton here it's like no he's off doing something else it's like okay 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 let's bring these into the uh, into my room because they're actually gifts for Crichton like a whole bunch of red boxes like half the security team has to help <laughs> carry them I think also at this point uh, is Aaron wearing like casual earth yeah. clothes she's wearing like uh, jeans and maybe like a denim shirt as well mm-hmm. this is basically for certainly for the uh, actors who aren't in heavy makeup this is like casual Friday <laughs> you know <laughs> I guess that's true actually just coming in jeans and a t-shirt it'll be fine yeah. but uh, Dargo says no John's not here but his cousin's here interviewing caroline wallace and so um chiana comes in with more presents and that are for john and dargo's like look this won't get him back and chiana's like you know no it'll work sooner or later you know some males can actually forgive and then accidentally bumps into dargo accidentally have the air quotes like oh sorry like oh well nice stab there chi yes nice stab at the guy who couldn't forgive that you slept with his own son I don't think you get to take the high ground. No. I no. don't think so. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, don't want to be Ruchi, but that's a slightly different caliber. Yeah, it's a different levels of things going on here. Anyway. What Aaron did, oh, it's pretty pretty bad, but 
nowhere near as bad as what you did. Like, Aaron just didn't say a few things. Yeah, I don't think Aaron, I don't think what Aaron did was particularly bad. It's just, it made for an awkward situation. Uh, but and it betrayed John's trust, sure, but. I just thought it was funny that they brought up that whole Dago Chiana thing, even just for this short line, because that hasn't really been referenced in a while. But I do like that it's Chiana saying this, because of course Chiana would think that oh, it's yeah. about the same de- the same caliber. It's like, some males can actually forgive, bump. And Dago's like, ugh. So, yeah, we go outside and we see that Bobby is interviewing Caroline, like, how long have you known John? And she says she met him six years ago. Bobby then asks, how long have you been his girlfriend? And at this point, she sees Aaron walking over. And she's like, Bobby, cut, cut. Take five, take five. And Aaron says, no, don't stop. I want to hear the answer. I'm interested. Yeah, at this point, Bobby's walked off. And Caroline asks, like, well, why do you want to know? Aaron's like, yeah, that's, that's fair. John and I have been in a relationship we're in a relationship yeah and caroline's what kind of relationship and it was complicated says aaron i was like oh well me and john had a much simpler one just casual times no plans for settling down just having fun together yeah but nowadays he doesn't even want want that and aaron's like really but he's been spending time with you and caroline says like no i think he's been testing himself working out what he really wants and it's not me and Aaron says, like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. Caroline's like, <laughs> no, you're not. You're not sorry. You still want him, right? We're not really giving this scene the full justice because, like, again, Claudia Black's acting for this scene is really good because mm. it's, you know, part awkward, but also dealing with very powerful emotions, but not you know, breaking down or anything, but just standing there clearly emotional about a lot of this yeah, stuff. She, and she nods. Mm. And Caroline says, well, I'm pretty sure he has feelings for you, too. He still wants you. Yeah, because Aaron says, like, yeah, I do, but it doesn't matter. He doesn't want me. Caroline disagrees. Yeah, because he kept saying how there was nothing going on between you, repeatedly. And Aaron's like, but that's a bad thing. And Caroline's like, no, you have a lot to understand about humans. Sometimes we repeat a lie so much because we're trying to convince ourselves that it's the truth. Yeah, he still loves you quite a bit. I love that these two are just having this conversation. No adversarialness in it. So we cut actually now to the other side of the wormhole back in the the tormented space and there are two transport pods sitting there because Sikozu has joined Scorpius yep she's gone back through the wormhole and so she's uh, hopped over to his pod and she's got a bruise on her head and she's like yeah my journey here was a bit turbulent and your guidance signal was a great help Scorpius has got one of the consoles or panels on the floor open and it's fiddling with the wires and she's like what are you doing he's like oh I'm recoupling the this to the this I'm cross coupling the power cells I think sure and then she's like you're turning this ship into a bomb and Scorpius says this wormhole is traversable Therefore, we can't risk Grazer finding it. And using it to get to Crichton, who is at the other end. And is like, well, do you think the carrier will return? <laughs> he says, my spy aboard has been unable to discern her current strategies. Yeah, because he's been, like, used as a microphone lately. Yeah, I mean, Scorpius doesn't know that, but we do. But he says, like, should she return, I'll detonate the pod inside the mouth of the wormhole, which will destabilize it and close it. And she's like, well, how would you survive that? And Scorpius says, I wouldn't. And we're like, wait, what? You're going to sacrifice yourself for Crichton? Huh. That's extreme, even mm. for you. But she says like, he would have a better chance of destabilization with two pods. And he grabs, he sort of grabs Sokozu. By the neck. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, would you like to observe the sequence? And she smiles looking at him. And we cut away. Yeah. They totally had sex in the pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they totally did. 
they totally did. Come on. That's that's what it was heavily implied, yes. Or at least made out a lot. I mean, they're probably going to have to destroy the pod afterwards. <laughs> They'll never get it clean. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, dear. Okay, so... Back down on Earth, Dargo telling John that Sokozu went back down through the wormhole. She's not coming back to Earth. She's had enough. Because John's first response is like, what? Is she bringing Scorpius here? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, fine. John says, okay, that's good, but there's no comms. We can't, you know, talk to her. Yeah, because they're currently at a little Christmas party. Well, yeah, they're having a party slash press conference, which is in the warehouse where they keep all the, the ships. Yeah. The problem is is that it's similar to that bit where they were the cordoned off the block because there's not enough people, I feel like. It's a budgetary thing. Personally, I believe this one because there's like just enough people that I'm like, okay, this is the top brass here. I guess and they've so, set up yeah. this little Christmas party on the lab equipment and the desks of the scientists and there's like these ships in the background. Of course they do that for scenery reasons. But yeah, Dargo, Chiana and John are there and Chiana's got like a bottle of champagne is just drinking straight from it yeah she's drunk yeah and we also see Jack Crichton and Holt and Holt is saying to Jack like okay you've got to make John bend a bit because I'm getting an earful from the president you know the joint chiefs they want to classify the technology as a national security risk and impound it and Jack's like John's never gonna allow that trust me he'll take it away instead and Holt's like look all I'm asking for is a little compromise do you think you can do that Jack doesn't actually respond he just kind of looks sternly and they walk away and so yeah we see chiana drinking some champagne it's like hey this party isn't very fun john's like oh this is not a party this is a press conference and so jack calls everybody to attention he's like can i have everyone's attention please it's like oh great here comes the my fellow americans bit and we see that there are cameras and people you know filming it and so and jack says i once told my son he'd get the chance to be his own kind of hero well he got it and made the most of it i also taught him to stick to his guns when he thought it was right so i can't fault him when he does i've heard it said that he should accept our judgment over his because he owes us i even said it myself we're wrong look at the friends he's discovered the miracles he brought and then ask yourself what he owes us compared to what we owe him now john insists we share these wonders with the rest of the world but some people are afraid of what will happen if we do john is afraid of what will happen if we don't yeah and jack says i'll go with that so as iasa's project director for extraterrestrial studies i hereby invite all nations to participate in the ongoing farscape mission and everybody claps and hey celebration there's two other things in this scene happening because i noticed jack was a tiny bit hesitant with his wording and there's also we get shots of holt just looking at him sternly and i think jack is a little bit afraid of what card holt has behind his back he's a bit nervous of it but he's sticking to what he believes he's going ahead with it because especially the the comment of i'm afraid what will happen if we don't share it it's like, yeah, what do you think is going to happen? The resentment towards the U.S. is going to be incredible if you try to pull that off. Whereas if you share it, that brings people together. At least that's the idea. And so John then asks him afterwards, like, well, what made you change your mind? And Jack says, it's because I believe in you. And John's like, that means a lot. There's a lot of things we should talk about. Come on, son, it's Christmas. And John's like, nah. It'll, it'll hold. And so they head out to a car to go back home. The only thing that really bothered me about this scene is that... Is nobody going to ask, like, where's DK? Because shouldn't he be there? I guess so. Nobody seems Good to point. notice that DK hasn't turned up. Huh. 
I mean, Dargo notices after. Yeah, because John and his dad get in the car, but the Screeth, we see, like, holds onto the back of the car and camouflages itself. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we then actually see Aaron arrive at John's house. This is, you know, before John and Jack get back there, but um, she's dressed up in her usual peacekeeper clothes now. And she's like, I'm just returning the clothes you let me borrow. Um, thank you, but I'm much more comfortable in, in this. And it's, it's who I am. And the books, you know, they were interesting, but, you know, I, I can't keep them. And Olivia's like, they're preparing, you know, for Christmas dinner, mm-hmm. Christmas Eve dinner. And Aaron's like, is John here yet? Olivia says no. Olivia's also like, wait, are you leaving? This, is it bad? And I was like, I'm possibly leaving. And I was like, no, you'll, you'll at least be here in the morning with us to open presents. You know, it's tradition. And I was like, no, I, I, I may not be. Nothing bad's happened. I just, I just maybe needed on Moya for, for a bit. And they're having this sort of awkward conversation. And then the oven timer goes off. Goes, ding. And Olivia's like, oh, oh, I'll just, I'll be back in a second. I've got to go see to that. Had it been Olivia, I would have said to Aaron, you know what? Keep the books. I can buy new ones. You can't. Yeah, you can keep them. I, I can replace them. That's no problem. So my read on this is not just returning them because, you know, it's the polite thing to do. It's no. because she doesn't want to be reminded of all that. She's just she's trying to distance herself, I think. Mm-hmm. She's trying to break ties. Yeah, because it's that sort of thing. Is she knows that if she gets more involved with earth and the Crichton family as well she'll want to stay more and that'll make it worse and uh, uh. and if john doesn't want her then that will make the pain in her heart even worse exactly but before you know anything can happen time often time it goes off Mm -hmm. so then we cut to back to the party and chiana's been making some friends yeah with some congress people (laughs) and dargo's like no i also like that holt shows up and says like sorry about that she's still learning the earth customs (laughs) because the congressman's like "Mm, okay i think the congress was not complaining hmm. and so dargo drags her out to the parking area he's like okay come on we're leaving and she's like look come on let me stay and like look don't you know all humans are bigots they fight amongst their own species i like that chiana then says yeah maybe that's why they barely got off their own planet i'm like <laughs> yeah you're probably right about that chiana what's the whole sub theme of this episode of like the infighting and between nations and you know hoarding things for yourself and not cooperating that John is trying to get around and say, no, no, we have to cooperate. That's how we, you know, move forward. Yeah, like, the stage is bigger now. We can't keep playing in a little sandbox by ourselves with our, like, shovels and toys. We need to realize that, the like, the world is bigger than that now. Yeah, we have to be united on this because, yeah, we can't waste time fighting amongst ourselves. You become way too tiny entities if you just start thinking about, about a country in the galactic measure just before we continue with the rest of the scene i do actually want to say that that's speaking of like real world astronauts it's people who have like actually walked on the moon mm-hmm. you know they express a similar sentiment when they're like standing on the moon or in in the spaceship just looking out at earth and it's very small and very far away and it's that realization of like no that's everybody that's all of us what the hell are we doing fighting amongst each other we're scribbling over the tiniest microscopic fraction of the universe yeah and i I, can't, I wish i could remember which astronaut said this but like you want to take every politician take them up there turn their head and it's like look at this you son of a bitch yeah <laughs> it's that same feeling that john is trying to get across it's like no we have to work together because our petty squabbles are not worth the time you mm-hmm. know but so okay dargo and chiana walking through the parking a uh, lot and and dargo then he smells something he's like no that's bad what is that certainly can't be me chiana says and they rush over to a yeah in the back seat of a car and we see that the there's the dead bodies of laura and dk and he's like frell and runs off dk no 
Donkey Kong is dead. No, not that DK. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, things are about to go from bad to worse because we go back to the Crichton house. John and Jack have arrived. Erin's still there and she's apologising. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm making this awkward. I, I shouldn't be here. I just had to return some things to Olivia. And Jack's like, no, come on, join us for dinner. Yeah. And she says to John, do you want me to go back to Moya? And John's like, look, whatever you want, it's your choice. We already talked about this. It's up to you. And she's like, all right, fine. I'll go with what you prefer. It's like, John, make a frelling choice. John's like, ah. And she says, look, I'm not trying to pressure you, John. I'm, I'm Actually, I'm trying to take the pressure off. I just want an answer. Would you be happier if I wasn't here on Earth? You don't have to justify it or explain it. Just give me a yes or no. She's tearing up at this point. It's like yeah. there's tears rolling down her cheek. And we see them get close and they're both, you know, very emotional. And John, or Ben Brown is playing it a little bit more subdued than Claudia Black. You know, but they're, they're very, it's a very tense scene. They get very close together. And Jack also has proposed like that Aaron can stay. And she's like, no, 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 it's a family thing. It's a family tradition. And even Jack's like, oh, we'll make a new tradition, whatever. Yeah, there's always room for one more. Yeah. Also, I love that the security guard brings him all the way to the, 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 the living room and he's just like, well, if you're, if you're going to escort us to the living room, I insist you at least take a, a glass of eggnog. The security guard's <laughs> like, yeah, thank you, sir. <laughs> but th- this kind of distracts John a bit. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, okay. You can actually, I think you can see he's been crying as well. Mm. And he's like, uh, yeah, can I get some eggnog, please? And then they want to get some more time alone to talk. John goes towards Aaron. They get very close. You know, she's still waiting for an answer. Like, would you rather I was here on Earth or back up on Moya? And he's like, almost like opening his mouth to say something. And then the screeth bursts through the door and attacks Olivia and Jack. <laughs> God damn it! We were Why? so close! It's the bad guy is always breaking up the emotional scenes. Damn it! And then the, the security guard shoots at the screen. It has no effect. Erin pulls out her pulse pistol and starts shooting. I think it manages to, like, scrape it a little. There's, like, sparks flying off it. Like, I think it hits it a, a joint in the shoulder that is hurt slightly, but the security guard just gets expertly disabled. John gets thrown across into the dining room table. In fact, the security guard gets thrown through a brick wall. Yes! That scene that we saw a few episodes ago in the unrealized reality of potential alternate things, that was a call forward to this episode. I saw that. It's like, oh, there it is. And so, yeah, Erin's got her pulse pistol out shooting at the screeth. Still tears in her face, by the way. There's... there's are still there, which I like as a detail. Yeah, the screech camouflages again, and they're shooting at it. It comes up behind, bites down on Aaron's pistol. John makes the save, you know, knocks them off. Did you see what he used for that? What did he do? He's like, here, eat on this, and he uses the um, stuff he's been sniffing to forget oh, about yeah, Aaron. Oh, yeah, right, right, sorry, Does yes. it in, into this Grace's face. And Aaron's like, what is that? And he's like, don't worry about it, it's fine, let's get him. But the screech bites down on the pulse pistol, you know, throws it away. Aaron's like, go get Winona! And <laughs> John's like, right, and runs upstairs and Erin tries to hold her own against the scrape which she doesn't it drops her through a glass table and we cut actually this is cut with uh Braca and grazer Braca again acting as the receiver for the screeth's transmissions that's like i'm trying to ascertain Crichton. i'm close we see him as john wa- runs up the stairs it's like the arm just slams through the wall grabs his feet it's like i have him and so he k- kicks him off like jumps into <laughs> I like that he keeps Winona, I think, in his room. Yeah, that makes sense. Probably under his pillow. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah. And so he comes out holding Winona and like the lights are off and flickering and the screeth has camouflaged itself again. And so, you know, it's tense. He's poking around like with the 
pulse pistol. I thought the screef was going to step on one of the steps of the stairs, that, the one that creaks. Oh, right, yeah. That being the thing that John's like, aha! Well, that wasn't it. No, it reappears. It knocks John off balance. They both fall over the banister down to the ground. Erin has managed to pick herself up. Both John and the Screef are winded at this point. Yeah, Erin's uh, like, got up. She's got a, the pulse pistol. And she yells at John's like, get clear, because what she does is she shoots at the chandelier and John like dives out the way. It falls down. It's a big glass chandelier that falls down into the screeth and just like, gravity, you asshole. <laughs> you win again, gravity. It doesn't matter that it's not bullets. Gravity makes quite a few things very lethal. And so John and Aaron, they both check on Jack and Olivia. They're okay. Oh, thank God. And Olivia's like, what the hell was that? And Aaron's like, I have no idea. <laughs> And at this point, Dargo's ship comes flying down in front of the house, in front of the big uh, bay windows. Yeah, I think in the backyard, he just blasts over some palm trees. Because, you know, he obviously knows that something's after them. And of course, we get the, the monster movie thing of, you thought the monster was dead, but not really. Yeah. Because the screech, like gets up and goes, Rah! and Dargo shoots it. Both John and Aaron pull, uh, push Olivia and Jack down. It's like, get down! And Dargo just shoots it with a low-yield shot that completely evaporates. Evaporates it, it blasts through the window, and we see a shot from the the front of the house of the front door just exploding out. (laughs) It's like, oh, well then. And then we see, like, Braca, like, on the command carrier, screaming, falls to the floor. And then we cut back down to the house, and Erin picks herself up and is like, well, Merry Frelling Christmas. John's like, amen. I'm sorry, I love just Merry Frelling Christmas. It's like, best one-liner in the series this You want to know the best part about that line? What? She improved it? It was an improvised line by Claudia Black, yes. Does not surprise me. (laughs) Of course she did. Ah, so good. (laughs) So yeah, back aboard the command carrier. Grazer wakes up Braca. She's undone his shirt. Yeah. She's like, oh, Captain, that was the best ever. (laughs) She's really not trying to sell this that hard. I find this so freaking hilarious that she's basically convincing Braca that they've had sex a few times. And it's really good, actually. It's like, it's very unexpected comedy. And he's like, oh, I'm I'm pleased I could uh, serve you, man. Uh, a ple- pleasure, you. Um, and he just leans back. He's like, what do you need me to do, ma'am? <laughs> well, no, he, he's trying to be like, I'm happy I could. Uh, uh, will that be all, ma'am? <laughs> she's like. Yes, you may go. And he gets up and, like, does his shirt and walks away awkwardly. I love how he still has, like, the imprint of the alien transmission device on his forehead. Yeah, there's <laughs> depression in his head. And so, yeah, we go back to Earth and we see that the crew, apart from John, uh, have all returned to Moya. And they're bringing in, like, they're wheeling in crates of, like, these, the presents and things. And, and food. And a lot of it is for John. And Rigel's like, put all the food in my quarters. It's like... Do we need to put the rest in John's quarters? And she's like, no, 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 just put it in the cargo bay for now. Yeah, it's not the time. And I'm also looking, it's like, I saw a bag of what looks like um pop popcorn. I'm like, I really hope that's not salty popcorn, because that would be a problem for Moya. I'm sure it would be fine. No, no, we, we know that it's one of the illegal cargoes, salt. Uh, well, that was chlorium, you know, it's not exactly the same. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, okay, they put it on the cargo hold, and then they say, Dargo says, we're leaving as soon as John gets back aboard. And then Aaron goes to Naranti and like, pulls her aside, holds up the little root that John used earlier to knock out the screeth. It's like, what is this? 
and Laurenti's like, I, I, I don't know. It's like, no, I, I think you do know what it is. I think you made it. It's like, yeah, it's for Crichton. Like, what does it do? Brief moment that she doesn't answer again. Then, like, it helps him forget. It helps him move on and surmount his feelings and forget. And Aaron's like, who? Who does it make him forget? And Laurenti just kind of looks at her with three eyes because the middle eye opens a little bit and just turns and walks away. So, yeah. Aaron knows now. I mean, obviously, it was very clear who John's trying to forget. So then we have the final scene of the episode. And we see that John, Olivia, and Jack are on the IASA building. Notably, John is wearing his Peacekeeper trench coat. Yep, he's back in his Peacekeeper gear. And sunglasses, though, which makes it look extra cool. Yes. (laughs) Although I don't know if he's wearing the sunglasses yet. I think he puts them on. I think he puts them on right before he walks away. Yep. So Olivia's saying to him, I want to give you something. I was going to give it to you for Christmas, but like, here, here you go. And she gives him a box with a ring in it. Yeah, it was that was mom's ring. And John's like, she left that ring to you. And Olivia's like, I, I want you to have it. Mom would have loved that. And you can, both of them are crying and emotional yeah. at this scene. And she's like, please don't go. I don't want you to go. And John's like, look, I have to. And so they hug and, you know, gives her a kiss on the cheek and it's like, take care. Just look after the, yourself. And then Jack comes over and similarly emotional and is like, please stay. We'll guard the wormhole. Nothing will get through. We'll set up a defense shield. We'll do something. John's like, no, I have a job to do. And Jack, oh, God bless this scene, because he's so, like, emotional. Like, he's like, I don't want to don't want to lose you, son. Yeah, and he, his voice cracks. Mm. So well done. Fantastic acting from Kent McCord on this. And he's like... I don't want to lose you, son. Like, I can't shake this feeling that you're not coming back. John's like, oh, no, I'll be back. That That's a promise. You take care of my home while I'm away. And Jack, like, nods and steals himself. And he's like, that's a promise. And they hug. John kisses him on the cheek and pulls back, puts his sunglasses on. They're all crying, emotional. John turns and John walks away in, like, slow-mo with the sunglasses on. He also says, like, I know what I need to do now. Your words again about his dad. And then he walks away in slow-mo and it's like, end of episode. Help me out here. What exactly does he need to do? He needs to keep Earth safe. And so the way to do that is he needs, you know, the whole thing Einstein was talking about, like the wormhole knowledge and to make sure that the Scarens and peacekeepers don't get hold of it. Yeah. And the way to do that is to basically, he needs to shut them down. And he needs to be away from Earth because he's too dangerous to be near Earth right now. So he's going up against both the Peacekeepers and the Scarens? Possibly. He's got to keep the knowledge out of their hands and he's got to stop them. That's his job. It's all order. And yeah, he needs to stay away from Earth for a while so they can, like, get their act together before they enter the galactic scene. They're in no condition to do that right now. Yeah, but he just puts the sunglasses on, walks away in, like, the cool, like, hero shot. We see him, like, walk off screen and then end of episode so that was terra firma that was a really good episode i really like this episode i love like they took the bold choice is a like a big risk actually kind of taking john back to earth in the middle of series four Mm -hmm. not at the end no because they're basically going like well you have everything you wanted now what yeah what does that mean and it is like you can't go home again because you've changed and as we've seen in this episode home has changed it's not home anymore there's a lot of familiar things like when he's looking through the photo album it's like i know the people and the places but it's not my life i don't recognize it anymore and the fact that look once you add the fact that alien life exists and there's all this out there that changes a lot about earth 
as well. It's like his home. The thing is, he could never go. He could never go back because the moment he comes back, he takes the universe with him. Exactly. So yeah. Oh wow. Like just a lot of really good scenes, really emotional stuff. They mm-hmm. they did give it proper weight of John coming home and realizing how different everything was. To say props to them for using like real world stuff. You know, actual change in attitudes that happen. You know, mm-hmm. Jack and the rest of the American government officials being very insular and not wanting to share with the rest of the world yeah i like what they did at the start of this episode where they truncated a lot of the broad strokes of him returning to earth and what that meant it's like cramming that into like 10 12 minutes so they that afterwards they could focus on the characters the more personal stuff that was a very good play like it was a very tightly written uh script i felt because it, it you know dealt with all of that like you said, it gets that out of the way. And yet it never feels rushed. No, so, you know, props to Richard Manning who wrote this uh, episode. It doesn't feel rushed. It actually feels like, like you said, you have that passage of time where he's narrating and it kind of feels a bit of a montage and getting used to Earth again. And I do actually like the decision that John like realized, like, no, my life, my family, my friends, at least, and my duty, obligation, whatever, is on board Moya in another part of the galaxy to keep Earth safe to stop the wormhole technology from being misused or falling in the wrong hands. That's where my future is. That's where my life is. I thought it was Earth because that was his goal. And now he got back and realized that it's not the same place I left and I can do more somewhere else. Yeah, because I guess Earth is suddenly very small. Yeah, and they're all fighting amongst each other. And John's like, you know what, figure your shit out and then we'll maybe we can sort something out. So, yeah, this was just a really, really good episode. And I love the, I mean... (laughs) We had some fun stuff of uh, Aaron, like Merry Frilling Christmas was great. Um, <laughs> obviously, this was more of a character thing for John and Aaron, and the rest of the crew uh, were in the background somewhat. Yep. But that's fine. I think that worked okay, because obviously this is about John, first and foremost, a, a character piece about him. And second to that, Aaron, because Aaron and John have a very you know close and important relationship from the show's point of view, you know. I also like when they do this, like the other characters have stuff to do. They show up, aside from Pilot, but yeah, it's like it's not like they're not there, which is perfect. It's like, okay, this is the focus, but the others are doing their thing as well. We even have a scene with Scorpius, you know, yeah. the other like, end of the wormhole. How committed Scorpius is to this whole John being the only thing that can fight the Scarens. Like, he's prepared to die for that ideal. Yeah, so, okay, that was just the... The move of taking John back to Earth, only to have him leave again. They managed to do it without it feeling kind of cheap, right? Mm -hmm. Also, meta-textually, John Crichton is much more interesting aboard Moya in the Uncharted Territories doing all of that stuff. Of course. You know, that's that's what we want to see. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But they're able to pull that off without it feeling like that's why they did it, you know, because it's it's more action and more stuff for the show. It makes sense for John's character. And the fact that he knows that Earth is connected to the Wormhole Network, and he knows at least one location he can use to get there means that earth suddenly became much closer we could have more episodes there yeah we could just pop back and forth if, if there's something needs to happen there it's just now part of the several stages that we can talk about he's also got a bunch of gifts being given to him so if nothing else he'll have a few home comforts aboard yeah. moya now 
exactly i'll be interested to see what it is maybe i'll get like a pinball machine or something <laughs> oh god yeah that would totally be a thing he'd pick up <laughs> we'll see so yeah let's put a rating on this episode i think just five out of five five right? out of five easy piece done. like i can think of nothing i didn't like about this and there's it's very good there's only one minor thing and that's that dargo and chiana find dk and laura's bodies and nobody else has a reaction to that. Yeah, that is bummer. That is, it does not get the weight that it should deserve. Yeah, right? especially because DK was John's, you know, best friend and worked on the Farscape project, and we don't see, you know, John's reaction to that. No, that's the only thing I think I would have changed. I would have liked to have seen them him deal with that, and that be a catalyst for him to realize that I'm too dangerous to stay here. Exactly, but at the same time. I wouldn't be surprised if that scene was actually shot and they decided, like, we need we need time. That Possibly. would have also been the first thing I would have cut. Yeah, I think, I think. It's, it's something that you can read between the lines and imply in between scenes. Mm-hmm. I just would have liked to have a bit... Just that be a little bit more concrete. But yeah. like I said, that's a very Agreed. minor complaint in what is otherwise a really fantastic episode. So I'm, even with that, I feel good giving it five out of five. What they could have done, actually, the final scene could have set it at a graveyard yeah that would have been nice that would have neatly wrapped that up because mm, then you don't true. have to you don't have to say it you don't have to do anything you just visually show them being at the graveyard maybe like right after the ceremony or next to the gravestones what you could do is have it like john pays his respects to dk at the gravestone then turns and walks away and his dad and sister are there and then exactly. they have that scene yeah yeah i think that oh you're worked. right that would have been very neat to do it oh well like i said minor complaint i still feel comfortable giving this five out of five for everything else that it accomplishes so yeah we got back to earth but that's not the end of the story nope (laughs) you know we've got more things to to do so next week is episode 14 twice shy and this one okay the, the synopsis on wikipedia is very short back in the uncharted territories moira and crew pick up a mysterious passenger who is more than she seems okay all right then let's there that tells us jackal (laughs) so we'll see what that's all about but yeah that this was a really really good episode yeah props again to the farscape crew for doing this and taking him back to earth yeah it's like one of the best episodes of the series i think yeah and actually um just quickly before we do wrap up ben browder does rate it very highly as one of his favorite episodes because of you know taking that chance to take john back to earth Mm -hmm. and so yeah we'll be back uh next week with twice shy but until then thanks everybody for listening this was this was a really fun episode to talk about really good to get get our teeth into so until next time you can find us around the web on twitter at can't wear hats and red at red nightmare seven don't forget there's also the website can'twearhats.co.uk which has links to the podcast rss feeds itunes all that stuff and if you feel so inclined we do appreciate you know ratings on itunes helps us out Mm -hmm. makes the show more pop up more for other people indeed and it's all supported by the can't wear hats patreon patreon.com forward slash can't wear hats all right so that's it from us this time we'll see you next time thanks for listening everybody goodbye Merry Christmas, hats. Merry Christmas. I got some eggnog. I got presents. Trees up. Uh, here, here, wear this hat. Come on. No, just get, no, get just that wear off. it. Get it, get it. Red, red. Oh, I'm just trying to get in the spirit. It's April, buddy. What? What do you mean? Yeah. Oh, the time dilation from the wormhole. Oh, Wait. no. Damn it. I mean, do I still get my presents? Uh, no, I returned all of them. <laughs>